Do you have a creative business but are struggling to get enough customers or clients to actually make enough money to enjoy your business? Come join me for a free live planning workshop where I will share the roadmap to get more leads and more profits in your business without running yourself to the ground. If you started this year with good intentions but are not getting the results you want and need, you really don't want to miss this free workshop. Now, there won't be a replay, so you must show up live to join the training. Register now at nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone and welcome to Imprint. I'm looking forward to sharing today's conversation with Kai Drury. We met probably about eight years ago when I was doing lots of styling for magazines and I went to her home at the time I was living in Sydney, came up to Byron Bay and shot a home with uh, Chris, the photographer that I was working with at the time for her home at the time was called The Grove and it was a beautiful property and that feature and just it went on magazine covers, it went all around the world, it was a beautiful home and uh, have really enjoyed watching her journey evolve since then. She has since gone on to uh, work as an interior designer and now has a business, a design business called Studio House Co, which she runs alongside with her daughters. We talk about working with family. She is very honest and open about the rates that she charges and how she learned how to you know, value her time more, charge more and really goes into you know a really honest conversation about how many clients how many projects so if this is something that you're interested in i think you're going to get a lot of value out of today's episode so please enjoy my conversation with kai drury we were just chatting before i hit record about when was the last time that we probably saw each other and we're, we're kind of guesstimating that it's probably about eight years ago. Um, I met you and you finished a project called, I think it was The Grove. Um, and yep. And uh, I did a shoot there. And uh, yeah, it was like, you're, you'd finished the project. It looks amazing. And I've loved watching your journey ever since of how you have evolved and um, how you've grown your interior design practice. So I always like to start these podcasts kind of at the beginning and learn a little bit about your journey, uh, where you grew up, if you were creative as a as a child, uh, what kind of home you grew up in. So can you just share a little bit about that um, with us to get started? Sure, Natalie. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I guess when I when I did uh, you gave me a few little point questions that you were going to ask, and I did have time to reflect on that, and I was. 
I went back. I was always obsessed with colouring in as a kid. I wasn't your Barbie or your Lego or your truck kind of kid. I was definitely someone who just drew. I copied. I was like Garfield was one of my ones I copied all the time. But it was definitely colouring in and anything that my, I lived with my nan as well. So she was very crafty. So we did lots of crafts. She was always creating things. I used to make Christmas decorations for the tree. Um, she taught me to sew from 12. So I made my own formal dresses and things like that. So it's always been something that's um, kept my attention. So, and then when I go over the next, like, say, 20 years, I've been really lucky. I've had a very um, supportive parents and a very supportive husband. It wasn't about making money. So he, um, he, he, he brought the money in. So I was able to, like, carve some time aside at the same time as having four children and dabbled in so many things. Um, I sort of started in graphic design, didn't really like that. Funny thing is that was sitting at the computer all day and now I find myself doing that. So that turned me off. I liked real hands-on. Um, and then I sort of went into the sewing again, the pattern making. I started painting more of late again. I brought, picked that back up. I even went into digital print design because we started a few girlfriends and I got together and started a business called Gypsy Tribe. So we did some swimwear. That was fun. Um, of course, the relationships maybe weren't as easy at times, so we didn't continue on that one. And then I designed children's clothes and um, I used to even make Christmas cards in some of the local stores. I was just always doing something. I couldn't stop. So I guess it then became semi-professional as the kids all went to school and I had proper time that I could put towards all my crafts and my skill set and then um, went into we had a property, which was the Grove, which is the property you were talking about, and a friend popped on one day and said, "You should. would you like to host our wedding? And we'd heard about the local wedding sort of, um, vibe of this town and we thought, oh, why not? So we thought we'd just give it a try with theirs and then before you knew it we had a fully-fledged business um, hosting weddings and then, of course, I took up the styling side of things and it, it just grew from there. And my husband being a builder the whole time, I've always, always, always worked alongside him and critiqued plans and given people suggestions of how to make a better kitchen, given them suggestions of what roof colour and that's been happening along the whole journey that's been in the background, but I was never paid for it for most of that time. Um, and then when we sold the Grove, people started asking, like, could you do my restaurant up? Could you do this? And I'm like, okay. And that's kind of how it really has taken off in the last, um, say, eight years. And so, so yeah. that's a, yeah. No, sorry, I was just going to ask. My mum nicknamed me. <laughs> She nicknamed me Tonya Todman for a very long time um, and we always thought that was a bit funny because she was a bit of the daggy one. But, yeah, I was just – I couldn't – like Christmas – if I did a, Christ, a kid's birthday party, all of a sudden the whole room is decorated, not just the cake. Actually, the cake I bought. But, yeah, it would be all the decorations on the roof and flowers and balloons and I just um, always had to have my hands on something. I Let's go to the Grove for a moment because – you know, obviously I was very familiar with that space, um, you know, styling it for the magazine feature and, you know, it did, like it just went crazy, that feature um, all around the world. And I, what, what gave you the, because it was quite a big project. It was basically, it was a home, but it was a large scale home and you had this really big outdoor entertaining area. I think at that point, when I spoke to you, you said that you had done quite a few renovations over the years. So what kind of gave you the confidence? And do you think that that really cemented your style or would you say that your style has evolved since then? 
Oh, my styles evolved a lot since then. We're a team here now as well, so I've got my the influence of both my daughters involved, um, and that sort of takes one's very skeletal. She does, she understands the instructional design, and the other one's definitely done the style styling side, and she keeps me up to date with the fashions. But I think it's evolved, but it's relatively said the same thing that it's always organic, big shapes, kind of simple lines, and never too colourful. I'm pretty black we are pretty neutral in that aesthetic um yeah i'd say it's definitely evolving i'm steering away from white i i just feel like i'm over i'm bored (laughs) and although it's still one of our um our clients still come to us for it we still do do it but when it comes to anything of our own now it's definitely heading towards the more moody earthy Joshua Tree kind of feel. So, yeah, I think it'll always be evolving. I think boredom sets in and you're always looking for the new and exciting things. And as a team, we all influence each other here now, so it's fun. I, I get a lot of kick. I get a big kick out of working with my daughters. It's, yeah. it's really good. Uh, I'm definitely going to ask you all about that because I think it's a really interesting component of your business. So what about when you first got people reaching out to you saying, you know, can you can you help me with my interiors? How did you work out what to charge? Because this is something that comes up a lot I know, with people sort of saying, you know, how do I work out what to charge for my services? Oh, that is the big question. See, I I guess at the time I didn't feel like I had the intellectual um, property that I have now. So I did start out at at a rate of like $60 an hour. And I guess that, and I'd be on the whole job from where to go. And through that, I was able to pick up so many skills that I would never have anticipated unless I was there. I was literally sitting in the venue um, dealing with all the trades every single day. So that's where I started. But now we then jump forward four or five years. I had a friend um, pressure me into getting a business uh, mentor. And they came in and he just went whack and he actually threw me threw me a lot and I really felt insecure about asking that much money for a while and, and now I just know that's the way of filtering out the tyre kickers. It's a way of filtering out because the, the actual amount people are willing to spend on a lounge, it kind of aligns itself to we love this style of furniture and if you're only willing to pay this much small amount for us, well, you really can't afford that furniture. So it kind of just all puts the whole aesthetic into alignment. And um, we do things a lot quicker too. So you get a lot of bang for your buck now where maybe I was a lot slower in the beginning. So it's all relative and it just does come down to your confidence. And like I said, initially I, I was a bit scared off by the old, you know, $180, $200 an hour kind of money. But now I know what I can accomplish in that time. It's worth it. You get a lot of bang for your buck. So I don't shy away from that now. And that might be too much information. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think that's like people will love to hear that. I think, you know, sort of being honest about it and, you know, everyone's got a different approach and um, I think that's really valuable. So what about then to get those to kind of when you start to get to that next level of being able to charge more for your services, um, how, like, how do you instill that confidence in clients that, you know, it's worth their while or do you think, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm curious about your approach because I know again this is something that comes up a lot. How do I get those clients who are willing to pay more? 
Um, I do think Instagram's a big feeder. I really do. So having your Instagram clean, fresh and up to date all the time relative to what they want. So that's half of the interviewing process done. The next would have to be def- like through word of mouth. I think when people are talking to their friends, they're, they're like, sharing how you um how you maneuver I'm just a really authentic person I don't know how to have secrets so that first interview is not a you're not locked in it's just me meeting them them meeting me so and we're sort of chatting it out I do believe I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me I don't feel like I'm selling my soul so I I answer the questions that they have I tell them the things that may let them down I give them a little bit of scaremongering as well because things don't always, it's always problem solving. Nothing goes according to plan. Or so, no, not everything goes according to plan. Um, so I think with myself, I don't look at it like I have to get this job. So when I go in, I'm just being me. I don't know how else to do it. I, and I don't know how you would train yourself to be like that. I think you're either a nervous Nelly or you're not. And I'm, I'm confident because I've done a lot of years now and I've lived in the building industry alongside my husband and we talk about it. it's our dinner table talk um you know this is what my kids we've got every single kids in the business the son and three daughters one daughter's studying medicine but she is she does our book work so it's relative to our home our home oozes this stuff so yeah it's for me I'm not selling them anything I'm I'm actually there as a friend advisor taking their ideas and making them fabulous, better than they would have ever imagined and very respectful of their money. I'm very respectful of spending people's money. I feel it's such a privilege. So can you shine a bit of a light on your process? So you've sort of spoken about that you will have that initial consultation with them and um, and and then what, what happens? And maybe give us a bit of an insight into the kind of the scope of the projects. Are you doing... Um, mainly sourcing? Are you like doing cabinetry? Like, you know, give us a bit of a picture of like what some of the more typical projects tend to look like. Yeah, we have probably two typicals. We have one that starts from the very, very beginning. Sometimes they've already got architectural plans and then they give it to us and um, we then critique that, move a little bit around. They haven't gone to the level of full architectural drawings. They haven't had an architectural interior designer. So we get the benefit of choosing all the materials. We do move things around. We'll, we'll do the layout of the kitchens and the bathrooms, the cabinetry, the plumbing. Um, we advise on the appliances, although we would never, ever stipulate anything because it's very personal. We work with what, you know, they'll go to winnings, have the interview with the particular salesperson there. Um, we, we, like I said, we have two types of clients, one from the very, very beginning, right the way through to furniture, right the way till the end. We'll even go in and put in all the plates and, um, utensils, everything. Then our other clientele, there's, hang on, there's three. Then there's just a structural one. They just want the design drawings of bathrooms and kitchens. That's probably the most complicated rooms in the house. So we'll just do those structural construction drawings, plumbing, electrical, and cabinetry drawings. So that really comes under one of my daughter's hats. And then the other one, it's they've had the house built, they've lived in it, everything's great, but it's just they've never had the money spent on the furniture. So she'll go in and she'll restyle every room. They'll have their hit list. Um, She does the mood boarding. And then she'll go and purchase on behalf of them and save their money in that regard because of our discounts that we do get. They'll always be buying under recommended retail, um, which is a nice sort of swap for her advice and my advice and and our time. So it comes out 
probably a little bit more than it would if they went and did it themselves, but they've got no groundwork, no time involved. It's just them sitting with us and, yes, no, yes, no, please go further here. So if you're putting time in there, they're, very, they're, much, they're, much, they're ahead in that scope and they've got good advice. Um, we know also quality furniture. So we're not buy once, buy twice. We um, only deal with the, the better um, wholesalers, which is good, and we've got really good relationships with them as well. So we go to the top of the list sometimes when it comes to availability of stock. And that, and then they also work along the lines of freighting. They'll, wait, they'll make sure we'll get the best amount of um, items in there. So it's one freight charge, not dribble, dribble, dribble. All of a sudden you've got $1,000 worth of freight charges. So we think of all of that, and I guess when you're on your own, you wouldn't have anticipate those additional costs because freight since COVID's just gone through the roof and it really hasn't gone back down. You know, we did have one job once that was like 10 grand in freight alone. That was at the peak of COVID. And that's a cost that people don't consider. And we tried our best to minimise that, but it can blow out the budget, you know. So we anticipate all of those. We try and stay within certain, like we like to put a piece of everybody, our favourite furniture um, designers in each room so each room's got a piece not one room's entire um, look is that from that store and then it just feeds out and it gives the home a really nice cohesive look all out but then we were able to minimize the, um, the freight by doing so um, process yeah I don't know more questions <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that's that's great it's really interesting and so obviously when you first started out you didn't have necessarily if I'm correct like the technical drawing experience and now you say that one of your daughters does that so what about what did you do in that middle period while she was still learning that did you outsource that to somebody or how did you overcome that part of like meeting that I guess this is funny I Honestly, I did a restaurant and I did the cutout and paste with the blue tack. So everything was to scale. I could hand draw. I've always been able to hand draw. So that was how I got away with it. And perspective drawing wasn't difficult either. It wasn't as great as it is now, but very time consuming. So until I got Billy on board and, you know, she's self-taught. She's amazing. She's like my little rain man. I'm so impressed by her. Um, and, yeah, she was able to communicate the finessing of my ideas, where before that I guess it was a hand sketch, they got the idea and they were quite happy with it. There was a lot of trust involved where now it's a no-brainer. It's a, it's there. It's You can do fly-throughs. You can do the lot. So I'd say, yeah, massive shift in the business and that came around the same time where our rates went up. So it was all aligned at the same time. The product that we offer now is a lot. It's cleaner, it's sharper and, and it's finesse from front to go, where before it was a lot of um, intuitive uh, communication before, where now it's the combination of both. And so talk me through, um, I remember actually meeting your children at that shoot, and I think at that time they were probably sort of like late high school years. So how did that come about that they're all working in your business and, and how does that work, you know, in terms of, um, you know, personalities and family dynamics and clients and professional balancing the personal and professional I guess oh it, it's challenging at times but mostly I would say 90% fantastic for me I couldn't think of a more privileged position as a mum for them to want to spend so much time with me and to um, problem solve and we get a real kick out of it like it's a wow yeah and I get so excited I um they consider me a bit disruptive in the office at times because I've got that yeah, Yahoo kind of attitude. Um, 
but they are an entity upon themselves where they had these things in the background that they've been working on themselves since high school and then they actually both approached me. So I didn't ask them to come work for me. Um, they asked me and Billy started out just doing, so Billy's the technical drawer. So she was obsessed with Sims, which is a, a computer game when she was little obsessed. She create towns. And so that was the basis of her learning. And then when she, she went off and worked for a solicitor, she was doing all the bookkeeping, book work, all that sort of communication and didn't like it, didn't like it at all. And then I lost my bookkeeper because she retired and she said, oh, I said, would you come and help me out there? So she was doing this and then she was watching me do these drawings. She goes, Mom, you can't do that. How about this? What about I'll just go and learn how to do that and do it for you? And I'm like, go for it. And it's, it was as organic as that. Now to the point where she's at TAFE, she's um, trying to have a second baby and she's doing draftsmanship because we do find there's a massive niche. There's a hole in the market there where there's draftsmen but they've got no design skills. They're pretty cookie cutter, the ones we've come across, all the way through to the amazing architects. There's nothing really in between for that middle ground dollar and for something that really it's about the bathrooms and kitchens and the nice the layout of the home and she understands it all. I think she's got a bit of a dad's brain and my brain combined. So I'd say that's how Billy came about where Dakota, she's the one that does most of the styling, um, she's fashion, she's Instagram, she's all over it. She's basically into spending a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> loves the good things in life. <laughs> But she um, also worked for Byron Bay Weddings and she was doing a lot of styling and then hosting, running some weddings and whatnot. And so that naturally led over to us as well. And then she had her first baby because they both got children. And she, again, was sitting in the office while breastfeeding, watching, learning and just sitting there and said, Mum, can I come work for you? Because we ended up getting a big office space. She said, can I come work for you? And that's how that happened. And I'm like, okay. So they they both started on base, base, base wage and um, they've asked for a new pay increase again <laughs> <laughs> next year. <laughs> but they've earned their weight in gold, I can tell you, because I've almost made myself insolvent at times. I was five days a week. I'm now down to three and a bit. And I like it that way. I like to be able to maintain the home life as much and my family life as much as my working career. And they're the same. So we're kind of figuring it out along the way and um, moving and changing according to and keeping us all family orientated. It's very family when you've, you're young mums. I want them to make sure they spend as much time with their kids as they can. And what about Marley? Because yeah. that's who I've been so, dealing with. So Marley, we accidentally picked up Marley. What a blessing. Um, when we were doing the loft, the restaurant, Marley was doing all of their marketing and I guess um, what happened at the time, Marley, I'm not sure if she was pregnant or not, no. Again, it's another alignment. It's like the financial alignment, the digital alignment, the quality of furniture aligns and the Instagram now aligns. She answers everyone. She keeps on top of it. She shares. She promises everything she delivers or she delivers everything she promises. So a lot of Instagram people don't, they drop the ball sometimes and then people may have to ring up and say, you forgot to tag me in this or that, um, where Marley doesn't let that happen. She doesn't let things slide. Very professional. So that's been a blessing there. Just quickly, can you think about how you discovered this podcast? It was probably when someone shared it with you, maybe on Instagram or someone sent you a text message. I often share podcasts this way with my friends and family, or maybe somebody told you about it. The only way this podcast grows is through word of mouth. 
I don't run any ads, even though I've been asked. I don't do affiliate links or anything like that. And so to make this podcast possible, my one ask of you is that you share it with someone, perhaps in the same way that you found it. Maybe you read a review or saw it on Instagram. It would not only mean so much to me and help make the podcast possible, but you're also going to be helping someone else like you, or maybe a version of you a few steps back who is on their journey to creating a home and life they love. That one little action that you can take today can really make a huge difference. Yeah. So, so tell me about when you decided to rebrand as, because um, you were just going by your name, Kai Drury, and then you um, now have your business called Studio House Co. Um, what was the, the thought process behind that? Can you share a little bit about that, why you decided to do it? Yeah, this isn't all about me. It's simple. It's, this is such a collaboration now. I felt like that was not con- that did not align with how we work. So, and I don't want to be working forever. I do plan on retiring one day. And these girls, this is them. This is what that we pretty much think the same, do the same. Sometimes I don't even I look over at their work, and there's nothing to critique. It's exactly how I would have done it. Um, so that yeah, they deserve this as much as I do. And I want people to come in and know, no matter who you're with, you're under the same hat. You're being looked after at the same level. So for me, it's something that they can continue on through their children growing up. And because they have such definitive lines, definitive um, parts to the working mechanism of this business, there's no stepping on each other's toes. So they can bring in their own work and do their own work under the same hat and work that out. And it can shift and change according to, according to how the future of this business goes without me being involved. And, I mean, that's not tomorrow. That's still a way off because I still have a lot to do and a lot to offer. But, yeah, this is about us. It's not about me. And what about then in terms of charging? When you've got different people on your team and charging the client, do you charge different rates for you versus, you know, other people on your team? You know, how do you go about that? We do. We have. I'd be. I'm the top because I'm the head designer, and then the next one's the digital product. So she comes in under that. And we've gone by um, standard pricing. This is like across the board. We've done the research. We were advised. We're not charging any more than anyone else. Um, yeah, we just need to make sure some that everyone gets their bang for their buck within that. And then Dakota's is, is slightly less because she's doing the furniture and it's not as technical. Um, and then we've got admin behind the scenes as well. And if we had an apprentice come in, which we did have at one point, but we found we didn't need her anymore, um, then hers was really low. And then we've got, we have brought in one more new person. She's only new to the business. She's only two weeks in. She is trained. She's our only completely trained um, staff member. So she's adding some really good systems in the background because she went to uni and she learned some things which we've been self-teaching along the way and there's been a few hiccups where she's come in, she's doing all that. She loves the back end. She's very fastidious and we don't necessarily love that. We love the creative side. So she's adding another element which can then allow us to do more jobs. So we thought, oh, we kept knocking jobs back because of the back end. It takes up so much time. So she's come in and, and we're going to see where that heads and see if that all works out as well. And then she'll come in at a, at a certain rate as well that's conducive to the element of work she's um, doing, which might be admin or back end or whatever it is. So what program do you guys use for your 
um, you know, the technical designs and also do you use a project management software for managing the back end of the business? No, no management software. We use, um, what's it called? Oh, my God, this is where you've got the wrong person for these questions. Um, far out because I am all the fluff. Like, I honestly, I just, I'm like Pepe Le Pew. I bounce from desk to desk. Um, we do Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Photoshop, um, SketchUp, another one called Reddit, I think it's called. No, it's called something else. It's to do with cabinetry drawing. Then we use in the back end, our, our business side, we use Google Docs and it's not, what's the one where you, you get your money and you've got, oh, I forget. Like zero? Zero? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the other one. What's the other one? I like QuickBooks, maybe. <laughs> I just know I have to give. Yeah, I just know I have to give all my receipts in at the end of every month and say where they go to and they on charge them. It's all like it's a well-oiled machine here. And like I said, we try not to step on each other's toes. But for me, I'm and, and Canva. Oh my God, that's huge. I'm very much in Canva and Pinterest and Photoshop and sometimes um, PowerPoint. But PowerPoint's becoming insignificant now because. Canva's been picking up a few of its things that it couldn't do. I used to have to dump it over there and bring it back. Um, now I don't have to do that. So mine's very much in that early stages, selling the story, easy, easy, and then it goes over to all the technical side to Billy after that. So, yeah, there's a lot of programs. There really is. But we've all got our own little programs within it. We don't tend to share many. Yeah, and do you each have one some, has their role. Do you have some sort of way to track the hours? Like do you have a, a time tracker for for working projects, how do you manage that? It's called pen and paper. So pen and paper. So you're doing something. You've got <laughs> old fashioned. You've got your um your 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 clock. You look at it. You start. You write it down. You finish it. Then you pop that to the thing. And at the end of the week, the girls use um what is it called? Another one. It's another app. And then they put it all in the app. And so then when it goes to the bookkeeper, the bookkeeper knows where to put the jobs to and mm -hmm. what hours to put to. And they do it from anything from 20 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes. It's not always rounded up or rounded down. It's relative to how we work because I don't think that's fair. Where a lot of, I, I know that from solicitors, you call them, you talk to them for 10 minutes, and they charge you for half an hour. I don't mm. think that's fair. If you take 10 minutes of my time, I'll charge you for 10 minutes of my time. So, yeah, we, yeah. we do and we write it down and we've, got, we've gotten really good at that. It just becomes habitual. Yeah. So how many projects are you working on roughly at any given time, do you think? Uh, I, I think we've, we have looked back. We've done a bit of a tracker going back because that's really important. We found that getting better at our business, we always had to look back on how long things took us. We average around 11 clients mostly at any time. That's semi-comfortable. Nine's very comfortable because there's a lot of relationships, a lot of tradies involved because we're working from construction all the way through. Um, and then we can go up to 15 because some people are just tiny little jobs and we have these things called short consults as well which add on top of that. But if, we're, if you're going to ask me for a number, I'd say 11. Yeah, and, and give us an insight into like what does your typical day look like then when you come into the office? What sort of things are you personally working on? I have a habit that I do the things I don't want to do the most first because otherwise I don't get done. So I'm a bit of a list writer. I have a 10-year list, five-year list, one-year list, one-month list and one-day list. And so I know what's essential to keep 
the ball rolling because I am all over most of the jobs, so meaning the, the structural side. So whenever we have a job that's actually in the works happening, tradies are there, that's where my most, most of my attention goes because I need to make sure every product's there, cross your T's, dot your I's, drawings are there, they're updated, they haven't got two sets of drawings, an A and a B, all that sort of stuff. So I would say that really is the bulk of my time during those those times. Other than that, it's always getting out the sales. So at the point where we've had the interview, now we're into the conceptual phase, that's a really big priority for me. That You need to get that back fairly quickly to the people. I don't want them to be sitting on our shelf for a month, I don't think, unless it, unless they know it's a month because we cannot get to it and they really want us. We try and get that out quickly. Um, and, yeah, overlooking chasing things up. I'm just kind of like I pick up the slack a lot where things, where the girls can be very focused. So I'm kind of a bit of a Pepe Le Pew in the office at times. But the most thing I do is the boring stuff first and then I get into the creative because if I'm creative, I I don't have to get home. Uh, It's not like dinner's that essential to put on the table anymore. So I can stay back and um, so, yeah, I do the boring stuff first. Otherwise I'd never do it. Yeah. (laughs) And and what is the boring stuff to you? Like what, what would you consider that? Emails, emails. <laughs> I really like they can be very distracting. <laughs> and you go through and you're just going through and get rid of, get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. Um, that definitely, I don't like seeing that clogged up. And you can so easily lose something very important in there if you're not chasing that. Finances, I think it's really important to make sure that the bills are going out. So keeping on top of that. And I don't really enjoy that side of the, the work either. And um, just making sure that. There's nothing. There's nothing that's missing. So chasing, it's chasing up. That would be the boring stuff. And then when I get into the Pinterest and the mood boarding and the concept, I have a ball. I could be here and forget to eat, forget to breathe, forget to drink. <laughs> so yeah, that's my afternoons. <laughs> and do you do mostly work still in this region, or have you done any projects sort of beyond this region? We're doing. We've done a few in Sydney. Uh, and that's an excuse to go visit family when we go down. We also do um, a lot just over Zoom where they've got problems and we do like a $530 two-hour consult and so they've got to be very prepared for that to get the best out of it because we aren't on site and we'll help them with the layout of a bathroom and a kitchen. Usually that's number one. It's always the most detailed rooms. We find we've got a really good niche in that. And, um, yeah, we've done barley. Wouldn't. I'm not running to that again. I just, it's too much pain. Oh, my God. They work very differently. Like they'll do the rendering and then come out and check the walls and check the electricals in and then re-render over the patches. And I'm like, oh, my God. So for me it's too frustrating. I, I'm, if I live there it would be different but I don't. So I'm not taking on another one of those jobs. But um, Sydney and we just do a little bit up the coast. We go up to I think the furthest we've been up is um, the top of the Sunshine Coast and that's it. So Gold Coast, yes, Byron Bay, yes, inland to Lismore, yes. So, yeah, just a little bit of rural. Yeah. And um, before we get into the final questions, I did want to ask you about working with a business coach. What did you – do you continue to do that? Was that a one-off? And what kind of value did you get out of that? What were some of the big takeaways you got out of that? Yeah, okay, so the first thing he probably was great with was the fi- like the, the pricing and linking it to the products because he looked, he did a lot of research on us before he came and he came once a one half day 
every Friday for a month. And it wasn't cheap, but I do think it's paid itself forward. So I we reaped a lot of that. The other thing was pro- productivity and not stepping on each other's toes and having um, he had a blue, red and yellow kind of zone kind of idea that I had to, so he, he when we all had individual ones and then we had business ones. So he actually made us really um, respectful of each other's zone so there's no micromanaging going on and that was really good for me because I felt like that just took a lot of load off my workload and the girls were really efficient so I didn't I didn't even need to be doing it at the time and the other thing is like I said how I start my day he kind of inspired me to figure out when am I best inspired how would that work for me because everyone, someone might like to start with the fun stuff first and get to the boring stuff at the end. But he, he was very good at making us question, what, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about this? How would that work for me? Where are you lacking? What could you build on? And it was just, it was definite coaching. It wasn't him just standing there and telling us how to do anything. He was working with us, not um, for us. So it was really good. I, I, won't, I won't need to do it again because we don't want to be some huge, big, entity we're very content to be mums and really good at what we do and working together and making beautiful spaces so yeah I would never I wouldn't need to do it again but it was definitely worth I think it was about 5k it could have even been a little bit more and it was worth that yeah no great um okay so let's get into the the last questions I'd like to ask everyone so which five words best describe you honest um natural confident creative and authentic do you think you've always been confident or is that something that's evolved yeah yeah no I was always confident I don't know some people just are and I don't say that with cockiness it's just I'm not a I don't stress about what other people think so I'm pretty confident in just an opinion. I don't consider my opinion more important or less important. I just know it's my opinion. And you can take it or leave it. So that's, I think, what I mean when I say confident because I don't get upset if someone doesn't agree. I really find that interesting and like to listen to the why they don't agree. So that makes me learn more. So, yeah, confidence just is natural to some and not to others, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, I, don't know. I, think, I think that's great. <laughs> no, it's really great to know because I think some people do really struggle with it and I think – yeah, what is the thought behind, like, why you're not bothered about it, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting perspective. So what's one of the best lessons you've learned on your business or life journey so far? Oh, listening before asking questions, definitely, because I find that you get so much out of letting people talk that half of the stuff done for you and then at the end you've got a few missing holes so then you ask the questions according so it's a little bit more organic than me doing a cookie cutter interview with my clients because everyone they don't like to be put on their back foot either and sometimes they don't have the answers for those things so I just let them go listen 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 and then ask questions at the end what's been your proudest achievement on my family without question that's me that's who I am there. Love my family so much. What's been your best decision? Oh, to move my family to Byron Bay. Um, getting out of the city was a really good decision. Um, it's been, uh, they always, the kids even say, thank you so much, mum, you know, so because we do love living up here. We find it, it aligns with who we are. We're, we are definitely got a little bit of country in us. Who inspires you? 
Um, my family and a few of my friends. It's definitely in-house. I'm not one to watch other designers too much or watch what other people do. I feel it leads to indecisions. I become a bit indecisive and, I, oh, I can flip around. So mine's more about people who inspire me, people who are good, just good people, and they um, how they deal with conflict or how they handle their um, relationships. That's probably where I get my aha moments is from my friends and my family. What are you passionate about? Mentoring my daughters. That's probably if you asked me today, if you asked me 10 years ago, it would have been different. But that's been a huge privilege, just watching them excel and it's it's natural to them. That's not forced. So, yeah, I, um, I'd say that's definitely the biggest one at the moment, mentoring them. What dream do you still want to fulfil? Oh, it's so daggy. It's not. It's um, <laughs> getting a big parcel of land. So we had land but then we sold that and then we moved into the, to the suburbs down in um, Suffolk Park and lived on the beach for a while and now we're back up on a parcel of land while we're building something else so we're just renting. And my dream after that one, which my husband doesn't even want to talk about because he's like, let me finish this one first, is getting going inland a little bit again and having enough land that we can all have our own separate dwellings on that are separate and they have their own privacy, but then have communal areas and then we can work the land together and live off the land a bit more and vegetable veggie patches and some cows and, and a creek and all that. So that's definitely um, where I the biggest goal ahead that I would love to achieve. And I don't know how many of my kids will be on board, but we'll see. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Um, what are you reading at the moment? Do you have um, a book on your bedside table or coffee table book? Yeah, I've got about 20 and only one I'm reading at the moment. So it, the, the, the pile's huge. I've got to stop buying them. But um, I just read this one and I haven't finished. I'm probably about 10 pages away from finishing. It's called Big Magic and it's by Elizabeth Gilbert. And you would remember her for Eat, Pray, Love, which was kind of a little daggy, but it, she's done this one on um, creativity and it's called, It's about create living, creative living beyond your fear. And I just had so much gold in it. It was a really simple read. It was uh, creative sharing to other creatives about we are all creative and believing in ourselves and, and having fun without attaching money to it. That was a big one for me because I think that's really important because when you attach money to it, it can take away a bit of the shine. So that's a good one for all creatives. I would say easy summer book read. You do it in two days on the beach and, um, yeah, it just gives you that little sparkle back. I really enjoyed it Yeah, or right. have enjoyed it, nearly yeah. finished. Yeah, I've read that book and I, I really enjoyed it too. I think have it's you read that? Of, yeah, I think it's the sort of one that I actually, I think I'm due to read it again. You know, like sometimes when you read it again in a different season of your life, you get other things out of it. So, um, yeah. What are you listening to? Do you do you listen to any podcasts? Otherwise, um, music. Yeah, I am nuts for podcasts. I probably have got to learn to be in the quiet a bit more. So yes, I listen to lots of podcasts. And my favorite one of late, it's called The Diary of a CEO because it's so broad. He's all over the shop. So Stephen Bart Bartlett. 
I think is his name, um, and he interviews everyone from Mel Robbins, who's psychology, through to Elon Musk, who's just doing whatever he does, um, and then all the way through to Sad Guru, which was one I heard recently, which was about mental health, and it's a guru, Indian guru, and he was just demystifying how caught up in our heads we get, and just to settle down and just um to believe in yourselves a lot more. So I love it for its diversity. You know, I don't listen to every one of his but I'll, I'll flick through until I find oh I like that one and they're like two hours long so they're quite you've got to be quite committed to them and we do a lot of driving up here every time I drive to work it's half an hour and drive home half an hour there's half a podcast <laughs> so yeah I'd say definitely diary of a CEO yeah good um and finally what piece of advice would you give to your younger self oh um you've got this that would be it um don't second guess myself and just slow down one day at a time. I have found when I was in my 30s and 40s, I was very fast. We're now in my 50s, I'm learning to settle down and slow down and smell those roses and, yeah, things are a lot more blissful these days. So that would be it. It's a lot to say, but, yeah, that's what I would just be. Settle down, kid, you know. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Good advice yeah. to me right now. And the one, one <laughs> Yeah, and one big one, because I think 50s is really a beautiful beautiful season. Um, I really do because we're not so needed. We're, it's a, They want to be around us rather than they need to be around us. We're not a taxi anymore. So I think taking time for yourself as a mum, and especially when you work and you're a mum, and having that, don't get the guilt attached to that. That's just stupid. That's silly talk. Just I deserve this, I earn this, and you come back a better person and you've got more to offer. So taking time for yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, great. Well, thank you so much, Kai. I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen. Um, love chatting to you, learning about all of how you've evolved with your business. And thank you also for sharing, you know, just so honestly and openly. I think, um, you know, people just will get a lot of value out of that. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Natalie. I was in good hands. It was my first podcast. So, <laughs> yep, the... the... <laughs> The cherry's been pulled, so there we go. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I love watching you also. You're a force to be reckoned with. You do a beautiful aesthetics. And we actually bought some of those lovely lights that are in the background I can see at yours today. Oh, oh so exciting. Of, yeah, there you go. So thank you so much and um, I wish you all the best as well. Thanks so much. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.